Will the dynamic duo wide receivers of the 49ers and Rams come through in smash bots in week 17? And can we count on DJ Moore, Stefan Diggs, and Travis Kelsey delivering for us? It's time to break down it for our fantasy football championship week, wide receiver and tight end rankings, only on Locked On Fantasy Football. You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. We're deep into our Week 17 analysis. We'll have our wide receiver and tight end rankings here in a moment. Thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen today. We're your destination to become the smartest fantasy football player in your league. We're part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, your fantasy football team every day. I'm one of your co-hosts, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm running about NFL fantasy and betting for SportingNews.com. Hey, hey, I'm Michelle Majuk, researcher at NFL Network and fantasy analyst for NFL.com. All right, Michelle, we will get into my favorite part, breaking down the wide receiver and tight end matchups here of the week to tell you who are the best plays, how you feel about some of the guys that you're going to play no matter what, even if they might not have given you good return here. We'll get into those, but it is an opportunity for you to get in on price picks. We do have a game tonight, so you can do that and explore what you like in the Jets Brown game Jets Browns game. This episode is brought to you by Price Picks. It's a crossover Thursday on the network breaking down all the games of week 17. It's the easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to pricepicks.com slash lock NFL and use the code all lowercase lock NFL for first deposit match up to $100. All right, Michelle, let's start here at the top. Now the 49ers look they somehow managed to put up some numbers, really more so Ayuk and George Kittle, even with the struggles of Brock Purdy versus the Ravens there in week 16 at home on Monday night. Now they go on the road. We think Brock Purdy will play through that stinger here. They get the commanders. This has been the best matchup all season for passing games. Is it too good to be true? Or do we like Debo and Brandon Ayuk to come through? I have them at four five. You have them pretty high as well. You have them at four and 10 this week. Yeah, I love both of them. I feel a little bit better about Debo just because of what he can do yeah. after the catch. And Brandon Ayuk was pretty much a ghost that entire game until they were down uh, by quite yeah. a lot. And then the defense started to let up a little bit, just trying to run out that clock. But I think in this matchup, I think Brock Purdy bounces back in a huge way. I think he has a massive game, and that means I think Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, CMC, they're all going to have good games against this matchup. Yeah, I mean, uh, Christian McCaffrey, I mean, keep in mind what Brees Hall did, but a lot of what Brees Hall did was in the passing game, so that's really good for Brock Purdy as well. So if McCaffrey has that type of day and these guys go off, this could be just taking out all those frustrations that Baltimore gave them. I think they need to get well game before. They play a tough game that they might need to play in Week 18 against the Rams, so we'll see how that plays out. That could be really nice for fantasy if you're playing into that week. Now, Cortland Sutton, a guy that we've been tracking. Now there's some twists and turns with Cortland Sutton that we did not expect. Number one, battling the concussion protocol. So we'll see if he can suit up and he's cleared. He's been training in the right direction, but we have to see that. And second, this was the biggest twist. I actually had to do a double take on this after the show yesterday. And I had Russell Wilson somewhere ranked. And I was like, wait a second, this is a good matchup. And then I looked, wait a second, he's not starting this week? They're still in alive for the playoffs, and they're switching to Jared Stidham. I don't know what to say because a lot of Sutton's 
value is tied to the chemistry of Wilson, right? And scoring touchdowns. So I don't know. The matchup on paper is good, but I have no idea the way this passing game is going to look with Jared Sidham. I really have no clue. It could be really good or really bad. We've seen it with these backup quarterbacks. Yeah. So right now I have him ranked at wide receiver 28. And the reason why he's still that playable flex play is because of the matchup, right? The Chargers are allowing the third most points to wide receivers this season. Great, great matchup. But with Jarrett Sidham, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, if he does get cleared from the concussion protocol, that's really nothing that typically you're too worried about when they come back. It should be a full, you know, workload for him. But even the week prior, I mean, again, in a really nice matchup against the Lions, he was a wide receiver 30 on the week. So I think wide receiver 28 is plenty nice. I think I probably even have him too high, but I'm a little bit worried about him this week for sure. Yeah, I ranked him at 13, mainly because he's playing the Chargers in that matchup, and this was a lot with Wilson, so I'm going to have to adjust this. But I, regardless, I think he's more of a wide receiver 2-3 borderline this week. He's still their best target, right, and the secondary for this team stinks. So there's going to be some opportunities to them. Is going to put it up to Sutton, you would think, more so than other receivers. So Sutton plays, again, he'll get the volume. I just can't tell you exactly what to expect with the QB change again. We've seen these backup quarterbacks coming and ball in these type of matchups, so... And I'm not sure how the game script's going to go anymore, so it's really confusing. It's a game that I don't really want to touch in DFS this week. Now, the Bears-Falcons actually does interest me in DFS. I look at this. This is sneaky because DJ Moore, look, he disappeared last week, but the Cardinals secondary is playing really well. I know the Falcons have A.J. Terrell, but that hasn't been just like sure shutdown, right? I mean, he's had ups and downs. You can also get DJ Moore open at other parts of the field. You think... He's going to be the squeaky wheel, right? That was just not very good usage for Moore. They did win the game, so there's that. But I think they're going to need a lot more for Moore this week. And again, he's too good to have two really quiet games in a row. Yeah, and the big part of last week was he injured his lower leg, right? Missed some yeah. time, came back in, but he really he had that ice pack on him for a while of that game whenever he was on the sideline. So that was probably bothering him. Maybe Keep an eye on his practice reports, and hopefully he'll be good to go this week. But I think that was a big reason why he failed so much last week. And also, they had a lead. They were able to yeah. run a lot, and they're going to need him much more in this game. So I have him bouncing back big time. I have him at wide receiver 12. You have him at 18. We both really like him this week. Can we just try to discuss Stefan Diggs here for a second? Because, you know, if you're in your fantasy championship and you have Stefan Diggs, it feels like he's an automatic start, right? Because it's Stefan Diggs, but he's against the Patriots. He has finished as the wide receiver 55, 46, and 65 over the last three weeks. Is he a must star or can you consider benching him this week? I think there's a few players you could bench him for, but it's really hard to see that and put him on the bench. I mean, there's too many receivers. I hate these type of guys, right? You get so nervous about benching them, but you know benching them might be the smarter move with your head. Now, I think if you had Rashi Rice, I would put him in there ahead of him this week. I really would to consider because, look, I know he was not very productive last week. The whole Chiefs offense wasn't, but you have him against the Bengals. Now, it's borderline for some of these other guys, right? If you want to look at Calvin Ridley, it's a good matchup in terms of the schematics here. If you really want to go there, he did have two touchdowns last week, which is a lot more than Stefan Diggs is doing right now. So it's really hard to sit him. I, I'll say I won't for this reason. I think 
in a way, the Patriots are not maybe going to focus on him for a change because they've seen him not do all that much. I think they're going to focus on James Cook and try to take him out and force Josh Allen to throw. It sounds weird, but that's how you beat the Bills, right? If they can control the game with the running game and defense, you're not going to beat them. So it's weird. So I, I think Stefan Diggs has an okay game. I don't think this secondary is a shutdown one, but it might be like a 7 for 80 type game. And you'll take that at this point, the way he's been going. Yeah, you'll be happy with some pretty. I'll say earlier in the season when they faced the Patriots, he had 12 targets. He only yeah. came down with six receptions, 58 yards. He did score the touchdown, so it was a nice game. But you wouldn't have been too thrilled with just six receptions, 58 yards. I don't know. It's it's in the middle here. He's just not getting very many targets. And when it does, it's, they're going so short because defenses are really playing up on him. It's it's going to be hard to stomach, but yeah, unless you have a really great other option, you probably are still playing him. Uh, we got some news on Michael Pittman Jr. I got to look at my phone here in a quick second, but let's start talking about him because if he's cleared, we saw how good the Raiders were last week against the Chiefs. They just they're playing really good defense right now. Do you feel comfortable plugging in Michael Pittman Jr. his first week back if he's cleared and ready to go? I mean, he's getting so many targets from Gardner Minshew. Yeah, you saw how that passing game looked terrible, right? If you tried to play Alec Pierce or Josh Downs and try to get some value out of those guys with Pittman out against the Falcons, you were just dying out there. There's just nothing. So Gardner Mitchell just seemed lost without Michael Pittman. He's the one guy he seems to trust all over the field. So on the targets alone, he's a wide receiver too to me if he's out there because the Colts are not going to put him out there if it's a risk of a long-term deal. Because keep in mind, uh, he is looking for a contract and they have to decide if they want to kind of lock him up and see that direction. If he, there's something that happens to him and he gets hit again and has another concussion has to be sidelined for longer. That's something you have to worry about here. So if he's cleared, he's good and they're going to play him. And I'm sure he's motivated to play as well to try to fight for as much money as he can next year. So I think you look at it and yeah, I think they're going to throw to him quite a bit. They're better offense at home. We've seen the Colts are pretty good there and the Raiders are not the, the shutdown defense. I mean, I think some of these teams, the Chargers and Chiefs specifically have been shooting themselves in the foot. The Colts don't seem to be that type of offense. They just don't have a lot, <laughs> but what they're going to do is run Jonathan Taylor, open things up for Michael Pittman. So I'm fine starting. I just wouldn't expect a big game. Yeah, and the report was that he was very active in practice today. <laughs> so it seems like he's trending towards the right direction here to play. And like he's just getting way too many targets to consider sitting him. And he'll be fine even in this matchup. We'll get to some harder choices here at the wide receiver position in our next segment. But first, let's talk about one of our sponsors. This episode of Lockdown Fantasy Football is brought to you by Prize Picks. Do you love playing daily fantasy? If so, you should try out Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a skilled based, real money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they go more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Prize Picks adds a ton of excitement to the sports viewing experience. Players can choose from a vast selection of sports and stat types not offered anywhere else. They even offer a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. If you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted and will not count against your picks. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Vinny and I will, of course, go through our favorite prize picks, picks of the week on our Friday show, as we always do. But if you want to get in on the action for tonight's Thursday night game, my favorite pick is Brown's tight end, David Njoku, to have more than 50 and a half receiving yards against the Jets. 
to place this pick or other picks for tonight or next week's slate of games, go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code lockdown NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash NFL and use promo code lockdown NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, I think this is a tough discussion, Vinny, about the Texans. So it's been yeah. a little bit since we've seen C.J. Stroud out there healthy. Uh, we've had issues at the wide receiver staying healthy now for the last few weeks. But Nico Collins and Noah Brown, if they're both out there and C.J. Stroud is out there, how are you feeling about this trio? Yeah, I'm not feeling Noah Brown a lot. I mean, he, he, every time we get in on him, he disappoints, right? Yeah. When we're kind of lukewarm on him, then he goes off. So maybe it's reverse psychology and we have to flip that. Maybe, I don't know. But Nico Collins has been CJ Stroud's guy all season long. If we go back, even with Tank Dell in the lineup, Tank Dell and Stroud had great chemistry, of course. But Nico Collins kind of kicked it off here to say, hey, this Texans wide receiver core may not be that bad. So when you look at it, yeah, I think it's Stroud and Collins. I don't know if I'm going to extend to Brown. I don't feel all that great. I also don't think this is going to be a very – high scoring game. I mean, the numbers reflect that it's going to be division game. It could be a little bit ugly. The teams know each other well. So I would just stick to the basics in this game and just keep it very simple with some of the guys. So I do like Stroud and Collins. I would play Stroud, but more as a backend QB one in deeper leagues, just because there's so many other good options. And then Nico Collins probably looking at a wide receiver two finish at the best here in this game. Yeah, and what's nice about Nico Collins is you know what a high ceiling he has, right? And he had, I mean, he's scored a touchdown in three of his last four games played. So he he's getting the touchdowns. We know he has super high upside when it comes to receiving yards. And I do feel much, much better about Collins if Stroud plays than Noah Brown. I do think Noah Brown's a possible option. He's a flex play. You know he's super risky, so be prepared that you could get very little from him. But he also offers huge upside if you need that in your lineup as well. Or if you want to consider someone with really high upside and DFS could be a good play too. What about George Pickens? Talk about a guy that could give you everything or nothing. But now if Mason Rudolph does officially get the start again this week, is he someone that you consider as a must play if it's Mason Rudolph? They go against the Seahawks this week. Yeah, the Seahawks secondary is interesting, right? They have quite a bit of talent, but some of those guys have underachieved this year. They've also had some injuries on the back end, but Keep in mind, the Seahawks like to protect against big plays. Their style of defense does. So they're going to see last week's tape, right? And they're going to say, we're not going to let Mason Rudolph throw these bombs down. That's if that's We're going to force him to hold the ball, right? That's not his strength, as you know very well. That's why they don't love him, and they're kind of hot, cold in Pittsburgh because this dude does not chip down. <laughs> he doesn't like to. He's always looking for the big play outside. Even going back to his old buddy, that he had uh, there, uh, James Washington. They were college teammates, and he was just like trying to chuck it to James Washington all the time <laughs> downfield. So that's going to work if a team wasn't prepared for it. The Bengals certainly were not last week. I think it's more of a Deontay Johnson game because his route running hands getting open. This technical type receiver that gives the Seahawks a little bit more problems. So Pickens is not going to get free. Now, people are going to chase Pickens. They're probably going to chase Joe Flacco's game. All these games from last week, and you're just going to be disappointed because, again, every week is a new week, new matchup, and you have to approach it in a different way, even with the same quarterback in there for the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, I know it's different quarterbacks, but George Pickens was pretty much absolutely pointless for fantasy 
from weeks eight through weeks 15. That's a long stretch of time there where he was just doing nothing. Now, Mason is going to just keep chucking it up, though. And we do know Pickens can make insane plays, right? A 50-50 ball for him isn't truly 50-50. It's more like 80-20 for him. He is incredible at those, those type of plays. He's playable, but you know, just get ready to have a heartbreak. <laughs> That's all I have to say there. He's a new game, and, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then what about T. Higgins? Because he ended up having a really nice game against the Steelers, mostly due to them getting killed and them just having to keep passing the ball throughout the whole game. But he's been good without Jamar Chase, two, back-to-back weeks, scoring more than 22 fantasy points. I have him ranked higher than you. I have him at 14. You have him at 22. It is a tougher matchup against the Chiefs, but if Jamar Chase still isn't there, we'll see if he plays. He's They said they'll evaluate him this week. Uh, but without Chase, I still feel really good about T. Higgins in my lineups. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting. You have two guys battling for contracts for next year, possibly looking at each other a lot in this game. T. Higgins, Legereus Sneed. Legereus Sneed pretty much erased Devontae Adams last week. So there's a concern. I mean, T. Higgins is a similar built receiver, but... He's also the guy, right? There's going to be so many targets going his way. He can also go inside. So that's really good for T. Higgins, where he can get away a little bit and get a better matchup. We've seen that with him in the slot. So I wouldn't extend myself to any other Bengals receivers, but he's the guy that they have to throw to if Chase is out. And if Chase is in there, then maybe you'll see Sneed follow Chase a little bit, and that'll be good for Higgins as well. So either way, he's good. I just like him actually a little bit better if Chase can go in this game. Oh, you like him better if Chase can go. See, I like him better if he can because I need him to be a necessity. That's what I need because I worry that Browning will only look Chase's way if Chase is out there. I need him to be the necessity where he just gets the targets over and over and over. And sooner or later, he'll break one. He'll have a touchdown. Like That's kind of what I'm looking for for him. But yeah, you can't find a guy that you you feel like has a safer floor or higher ceiling than... uh, you know, Higgins this week outside of those top elite performers. Let's move on to Chris Godwin and DeAndre Hopkins, two guys that have been up and down pretty much for most of the season. But Chris Godwin lately is getting a ton of targets. I mean, he has double digit targets in each of the last three games. I like his matchup against the Saints. They've been uh, giving up a lot of points and a lot of yards just to opponents on the road. Their last four road games have been really bad defensively, defensively. And then with DeAndre Hopkins, you just never know what you're going to get out of him, right? I mean, you had that massive game in week 14 and then 21 yards and 20 yards the last two weeks. So if you had to choose between Godwin or Hopkins against his old team, the Texans, which one would you go with? Yeah, I think the way the Texans play defense, I think I'm going to go with Hopkins. I mean, Godwin is just so hard to trust because Mike Evans could just blow up and that's it, right? And we talked about Lattimore being out here still on IR for the Saints, so that's pretty big. And given where Godwin lines up, he's probably going to see some pulse in a Debo in this game. So it's okay. Debo's not a shutdown guy by any means, but I feel a little bit better about Hopkins operating against his zone team, a little bit better in the Texans matchup, right? The Texans did get destroyed by a, a savvy receiver named Amari Cooper last week. So I do like uh, that a little bit better for Hopkins if I was going to go in a direction this week. I mean, uh, Hopkins is also the go-to guy. It's very close, right? I have him at 24, Hopkins, Godwin, just a few spots behind. So it's very close, but I like Hopkins as being the number one guy. Yeah, I think I'm leaning Chris Godwin pretty easily here. Uh, like he I was said, a good play, I think. So Yeah. So uh, with the targets he's getting, the the way the Saints defense has just been inconsistent, especially on the road, I'm happy playing him. And, and their earlier matchup this season, he had 11 targets, eight receptions, 114 yards. 
Evans, I mean, the Saints seem to really just focus on not stopping Evans. They really don't want him to be there. I know Marshawn Lattimore won't be playing, but he didn't play in a game last year either. Uh, and they yeah. still held Evans. It seems like that's always their main focus is just make sure Mike Evans doesn't do anything. So I, I do think this is a Chris Godwin game, but Hopkins, you never know with him. You could put up 150 yards. He could put up 10. <laughs> it's going to be somewhere in between there, but I, I don't want to have to deal with that inconsistency in my fantasy championship. So I'm going to stay away from him, even though I, I guess that's not fair because I'm about to name a guy I really like this <laughs> week for, uh, for my flex play or maybe in DFS. And he's insanely inconsistent, right? It's Rashid Shahid for the saints. I mean, he's had huge weeks and then he's done nothing. Last week was a huge week for him. So Maybe it doesn't happen back-to-back, but I love this matchup for Rashid Shahid this week against the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are allowing the most receiving yards per game to wide receivers this season, the second most deep receiving touchdowns. So deep receiving touchdown means 20-plus air yards. And guess what? Rashid Shahid has the third most deep receiving yards in the NFL this season behind only Tyree Kill and Amari Cooper, which is kind of insane. Uh, so I expect him to have those deep, those long catches and hopefully you can come down uh, with a touchdown as well. But I expect this to be a, a big game for him this week. Yeah, I, I do like him this week quite a bit. He's in my uh, top 35. Actually, I have him at 33. You have him at 34. So we're very close on Rashid Shahid liking him. And again, this is style of defense. Again, the Bucks play some zone. So that's really good for Rashid Shahid because he can get open. Then what happens is they have two deep dudes and then, he splits them and he gets past them and then Derek Carr finds them. And that's what usually happens when he makes those big plays. So I do like Shahid and his speed. And look, the Michael Thomas injury was unfortunate for him, but it kind of streamlined this offense a little bit. So if you need Shahid or Chris Olave or Juwan Johnson, I think this is good for all three of them this week. So I, I think that's a good thing. And no Michael Thomas. And also those checkdowns have kind of, dried up a little bit right not as much forcing to alvin Kamara, which they're getting more aggressive we saw the deep shots that car took in, in a game last week against the Rams, so that's all good news for there now we will get into tight ends and see where we have our big names ranked and uh, some of the lesser names that could really come through for you this week in our final segment before we do that we got to hear from another one of our fine sponsors This episode of Locked On Fantasy Football is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. It's a small business, and it means that you're also a small team, right? When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have the right roster put together, and that means you want as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And with LinkedIn, you're just not uh, addressing to a just another job board. It's really special here because LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many qualified and quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small business get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. LinkedIn even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. It's easy to get in and hire with LinkedIn jobs. Just post your job free at linkedin.com slash lockdown NFL. That's linkedin.com slash lockdown NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, Michelle, it is uh, time to close show and look at our tight end rankings. Now let's start at the top because the top 
Hasn't been the top <laughs> in recent weeks, for sure. It's Travis Kelsey. I don't know what he needs. I thought he was going to come to the holiday game, but they stopped throwing to him in the second half, strangely, against the Raiders. I don't know how healthy he is. I don't know if he's fading, all these things. But all I know, this matchup against the Bengals, if he can't get well here, I don't know what to do. I mean, I really don't. Because the Bengals are just giving it up to the tight end like nothing other than the Broncos. They're the worst team all season to cover the tight end. So, Travis Kelsey, please come through. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm in a championship game where he was my weak link last week. I mean, Nick Mullins was more reliable for me in my lineup than Travis Kelsey. So I need him this week because I, I think I'm going to be in a higher scoring matchup. Do we see Travis Kelsey turn back the clock and this one back at home, by the way, against the Bengals? He really should, right? We both had him yeah. ranked lower last week. We weren't feeling great about him the last couple of weeks, right? Because he hasn't been doing Too anything bad. really for Travis Kelsey. I mean, if you look at his fantasy points, you'd be like, oh, this is a pretty solid tight end, right? But what you want out of Travis Kelsey, we're not getting. But yeah. I will say against this matchup against the Bengals, you brought it up. I mean, they're allowed the most receptions and the most receiving yards to tight ends this season among all teams. And he's still getting targets. So 10, 7, 7 targets over the last three weeks. If he gets 7 to 10 targets in this matchup against the Bengals, he should put together a really nice game. And can we please get him a touchdown? That would be awesome. Yes. Yeah, that's what I don't understand. I mean, at least you could count on that, right? Those little flip passes and things like that. But the problem is they're not getting into the red zone all that much. And when they do, they're so in deep that they're using the running backs to do it. So he's overdue. Like, he's now really ticking overdue last week he was already there but this week come on this is the week that everyone wants him to come through so let's hope that that happens and uh, kelsey will make everyone happy because again he's still in relation he was a good tight end pick because he's pretty reliable most weeks and look i don't know if we're going to invest him in, in him as a clear number one tight end as a first round pick next year i just don't see that happening so we'll see if that plays out now evan ingram is an interesting guy hot and cold he was steady, but not spectacular. Then he had some blow-up weeks that really put him on the radar and that really uh, kind of stamped his tight end one status for second straight season. Now, this isn't the easiest matchup. I am at number eight. You am at number three. I want to like him a little bit more against the Panthers, but I don't know. Like, it's hard to trust, especially we'll see how Trevor Lawrence goes with that shoulder. Honestly, if it's C.J. Beathard, I think that might be better for him. Yeah. I mean, this dude is getting so many targets, right? 12 targets in week 14, 15 targets in week 16. The last three out of the last four games, 82 <laughs> yards, 95 yards, 95 yards. You cannot ask for really anything else from your tight end. But when Beathard came in in the fourth quarter last week, six targets, five receptions, 46 yards from just Beathard in, in the time he came in. When he came in earlier in that week 13 game, also in the fourth quarter, he was targeted a ton too from Beathard during the time. He had like four targets and they played like no time together. So it seems like Beathard really looks to Evan Ingram very quickly. And then let's say it is Trevor Lawrence. I don't know how he's going to play, but he's going to have that bum shoulder. He's going to be looking short. And I, I think that's only good for Evan Ingram as well. So I, I don't think you can find a guy that's safer than Ingram this week at the tight position. Yeah, he's definitely the floor play at this position. He does have a little bit of ceiling. We know he can go on a heater with tight ends or with touchdowns as a tight end. So that is a good point. So I, I think he finishes probably somewhere in the middle. You know, if I am at nine, you have three, you'll probably finish at tight end six. Now, Cole Komet, he was banged up a little bit last week at the end of the game, but what a big game for him. He was the go-to guy against the Cardinals. We're kind of looking like last year's coverage against tight ends all of a sudden. So 
Now you get Atlanta. Atlanta's a pretty good matchup. And Cole Komet, look, he's sneakily had a very good season, right? He's clear the number two target on his team. That's what you're looking for in a lot of cases with tight ends, be the number one, number two target on his team. He gets open. He scores quite a bit. And Justin Fields is looking for him in high leverage situations. So I think Cole Komet's another fine play. I just wouldn't go nuts with him. I, again, touchdowns can totally throw it off and he can go really high. But you have him at 11, I have him at 12, and I think that's about right. Yeah, and I just got a notification. He didn't practice today, so not okay, practicing on Thursday. It's not a great sign for Cole Komet, so just keep an eye on that. It is a nice matchup against the Falcons. They've allowed the six most receptions and receiving yards to tight ends this season. So it's a solid matchup. He's getting the targets. He's being used, but obviously that knee injury is a little bit of a concern, and even if he does play, who knows if he makes it uh, through the whole game or if he's limited, so that's a worry. But what about Hunter Henry? Because he was dealing with a knee injury. He missed last week. It seems He was back at practice yesterday. Seems like he's coming back. He gets the bills, and the bills have been softer against tight ends as of late. They, they started off super strong, but without Matt Milano, with all these defensive injuries, they've been softer. Travis Kelsey, Gerald Everett, and Jake Ferguson have all had double-digit fantasy points against the Bills over the last three weeks. I Hunter Henry and Bailey Zappi seem to have a super strong connection. So I'm plugging Hunter Henry right back into my lineups if he's back and playing. Yeah, he falls into that category, I think, right between – I'll tell you who – that I put him in. I didn't rank him. I didn't know if he was going to return from the concussions yet. But when you look at it, I have him Cole Komet at 12. And then you have Gerald Ever, Juwan Johnson, Chig Okonkwo. I'm having him in that range. I think anywhere there. And I, I like those guys. I'm not just throwing him into the mix. I mean, Gerald Everett has a really good matchup this week against the Broncos. You have Juwan Johnson, the Buccaneers are giving up. And Okonkwo has a really good matchup against the Texans. I would play him over like a Dalton Schultz or Darren Waller. Dalton Kincaid, those type of players. I just think he's going to be more involved. And you have a very good point about Zappi and Hunter Henry. I've really seen that here the past few weeks when they've been on the field together. They really connect a lot more so than Mac Jones. I thought at one point Mac Jones had a Hunter Henry connection, but maybe Hunter Henry's good and they just realized they've used him wherever we are with our quarterback. We have to go in that direction. Now, I mentioned Dalton Kincaid. I am at 18. But one guy way ahead and where you have Hunter Henry is Tucker Craft at 10. You have a 13. So you're endorsing Tucker Craft as well. And again, it's hard. I think in a way this Luke Musgrave injury has kind of opened the eyes to the Packers that this guy might be the better player overall going forward as their athlete. So I think Luke Musgrave will will be fine next year, right? Yeah. Maybe they get both of these guys on the field. Luke Musgrave is back at practice, so maybe we'll he does that. play this week. But I still think Tucker Craft is the guy to start um, for the Packers because even if Musgrave does play, it was a pretty serious injury, right? Like yeah. a lacerated no kidney, <laughs> no joke. So even if he does come back, I expect him to come back slowly. They're going to limit how much he plays. So Tucker Craft should still be on the field a ton, and he's well outscoring Dalton Kincaid over the last handful of weeks here. And I don't know if Dalton Kincaid is honestly playable. I mean, over the last two games, he has four total targets, one total reception, seven yards. Like those last two weeks completely destroyed your lineup. And the Patriots have been one of the toughest defense against tight ends all year long. This is just, he's just really hasn't done anything now for the last really five weeks. No, and look, I didn't expect this total drastic shift, right, with their offensive play calling. Like, it's like anything we did before, we're not doing anymore. So we're throwing a lot to Stephon Diggs. No, we're not doing that. We're getting Don Kinga involved. No, we're not doing that. Gabe Davis, uh, we'll 
put him in there a few times for those deep shots, but we're not involving him. So it's a lot of Khalil Shakir. It's a lot of James Cook, more of James Cook, a little bit of Josh Allen running. So I don't know if this is the formula they found to win. I don't know if they'll deviate too much from it either, right? I mean, why would you do that? If the Bills are winning and they're surging toward the playoffs, they're not going to do that. So, again, Kincaid is rough out there. Another guy that I would put him out there not at all is Darren Waller because Daniel Bellinger is a real thing. And this is also an annoying thing with Kincaid. He's battling Dawson Knox. And assuming Musgrave doesn't play, that Kraft has that position all to himself, which is really important there sometimes for fantasy and that – yeah, I think that's also been a development as well, timed with Kincaid's drop. Yeah, I know. I wasn't really as worried about Dawson Knox coming back, but with Kincaid also being banged up, I think that's just a double whammy for him here. And just this offense in general is just changing its mindset, like you brought up. So it's I'm not going to trust Kincaid. Is he is he talented enough to have a huge game? Sure, but in this matchup with the targets he's receiving, I can't risk starting him in the fantasy championship. So you got to look elsewhere if you have him. Yeah, and we will find some deeper plays for you tomorrow. We'll look at some flex plays. Maybe there'll be some good options from what we didn't talk about today, going a little bit deeper in your leagues, as well as sleepers that you need to consider. That one week plug and play, one spot you're maybe looking to fill on your roster to have a chance at winning. Maybe it's a difference between winning and losing. You got the one hole that you got to fill. And then we'll also get our prize picks fix a week. There's a lot of good stuff there to uh, play here in the last couple weeks of the regular season. So all kinds of good stuff to close the week with our final thoughts for week 17 for our wide receiver and tight end rankings for week 17. This has been Vinny Iyer. And I'm Michelle Majuk. Bye y'all.